Hey, so how did that Stanford football game go up in Seattle on Saturday? Eh, just a walk in the park. Just a walk in the park. Cardinal back in the win column in one of the more remarkable wins that the Cardinal have had over the last few years. And we are here to take a closer look and break it all down on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Presented by the Believe Podcast Network, Sunday, December 6th, 2020. Glad to have you with us as we're in victory mode. Hey, two in a row. Look at them go. Stanford back in the win column as they beat the 22nd ranked Washington Huskies 31 to 26. Stanford now two and two on the season and suddenly trending upwards towards the end of the season. How about that? You're going to hear various voices break it all down as we get some help and going inside the game. Of course, you're going to hear from David Shaw. You're also going to hear from Stanford right tackle Foster Sorrell, Stanford safety Kendall Williamson, and Cardinal running back Austin Jones. All of those guys will help us break down what we saw on Saturday afternoon. We'll also give you three things you need to know around the game, and we'll go stock up and stock down so plenty coming your way on this episode of the TreeCast. thanks for carving time out to join us for it i'm troy clarity in my 28th season of following stanford sports also a pac-12 network play-by-play announcer across six sports you can follow me on twitter at troy clarity last name is c-l-a-r-d-y at troy clarity if you haven't subscribed to the show hey why, why haven't you do it now why not Subscribe to the show via whichever app you get your favorite podcasts from. Hopefully this is one of them. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn. Uh, we got you covered. So subscribe uh, to the uh, TreeCast. We always, uh, always appreciate those of you who do just that. And a quick reminder, of course, the NFL season and college football, both in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino. It never closes. Ever. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, on Saturday, Stanford rolled out to a 24-3 halftime lead. What a performance it was for the Cardinal in the first 30 minutes. But Washington whittled it to 31-23 early in the fourth quarter. Then Austin Jones fumbled with 10 minutes left. The Huskies recovered and returned it to the Stanford 10-yard line. Next play, UW scores a TD to make it 31-29, except... Holding on Washington, take the points off the board. Another holding penalty on Washington led the Huskies to settle for just a mere field goal to make it 31-26. And that was as close as Washington got. Stanford running off the final 747 of the game clock. Really just the culmination of a remarkable week for the Cardinal. And especially and particularly for a Seattle area kid and Stanford right tackle, Foster Sorrell. I was uh, very, very passionate about winning this game. Um, I feel incredible right now, to be honest with you. Being up here was it was really nice to be in the Pacific Northwest. We had a bunch of sunny days, which was pretty abnormal. Um, and so it was pretty much perfect. I mean, we were doing Thursday walkthrough in the freaking park, and, you know, people were taking pictures making fun of us, but we come out here and beat them up, so – uh, there's no happier feeling right now. <laughs> yeah, that about sums it all up, no? 
<laughs> well, for a more detailed investigation into uh, Saturday's events and the week's events, uh, let's kick it off with three things you need to know from the game itself, starting with number one. <laughs> And the Cardinal offensive line just jumped all over the dogs right from the start. Stanford running backs rolling up 38 carries for 182 yards and three touchdowns. A career day for Austin Jones, 31 of those carries for 138 yards, both career highs, with two touchdowns for the youngster. Foster Sorrell helped open up those holes, and after the game, he was asked if the offensive line turned in a dominant performance against the Huskies. It felt pretty close, uh, especially the first half. I mean, we were rolling. I really didn't feel like there was anything they could do to stop us. Um, I felt like we broke their will. Um, I was really excited with how our guys played across the board. Obviously, there's still room for improvement, but I mean, we're on the right track. Uh, I think we're turning into a pretty special unit, and I'm really excited. Broke their will. I love when offensive linemen talk like that, especially when they're Stanford's offensive linemen. Big blocks from Sorrell, left guard Barrett Miller, and extra offensive tackle Miles Hinton on Austin Jones' first touchdown to cap Stanford's opening drive. That helped set the tone that it was largely able to maintain for much of the rest of the game. And it wasn't just the running game, it was also pass protection. Zero quarterback hits on Davis Mills in the entire game, and UW's best defensive player was a total non-factor. More on that later on in the show. We talked about the Stanford offensive line needing to improve and build off its performance against Cal last week, especially in pass protection, and it did. And you saw the results. Let's get to number two. And you know the stickler I am for the importance of third down on both sides of the ball. If your offense can stay on the field on third down and convert, and if your defense can get off the field on third down, those are two huge check marks that are more often than not are going to point the way to victory for you. How'd Stanford do against the Huskies on Saturday? Well, Cardinal converted their first six third down attempts on route to 10 of 13 for the day. Mills on third down, by the way, eight of 10 for 133 yards, and all eight of those completions resulted in first down. Stanford even went two for two on third down and nine or more. Cardinal head coach David Shaw on how Stanford was able to stay on schedule on third down. It was a significant difference playing in the stadium without the fans. Um, uh, that, that, that did help a lot once first and foremost, because we could hear normally you can't hear, um, but I attribute a lot of it to the running game for us being able to be physical at the line of scrimmage, uh, to get into those third and four, third and five, third and sixes and, and be manageable there. Um, our quarterback, I thought outside the first third down, um, did a really good job managing those third downs. A couple of them, he had to move uh, the ball. The, he couldn't throw the ball on time, but athletically he could move out of the way, find a secondary receiver, find a third receiver. Um, so I thought I thought Davis really helped us out on those third downs on top of having really good pass protection. Yeah, team effort, team effort. And everyone was able to pull through and get it done when the Cardinal needed to move the chains. But, but I want to go back to Shaw's first point in that uh, statement really quickly here. Don't underestimate the effect that crowdless stadiums have on places like Husky Stadium. We've talked about this. Autzen Stadium, completely different when you ha don't have to face you know, 55,000 screaming duck fans in your ear. Same thing for the Huskies. You don't have to go up to Seattle and you don't have to, want to face 70,000 Husky fans making it as loud as possible. That's a big plus in your favor. And, you know, I'm not a gambling guy, but, you know, can you even give the home team three points anymore these days? Certainly in the Pac-12. Anyway, Stanford did well on third down, not just offensively. 
defensively, well, Washington did go 6 of 10 on third down. They were much better on third down in the second half of this game. They went 3 for 4 than they had been in the previous three games where the Huskies went 1 of 18 on third down in the second half from 2017 to 2019 against the Cardinal. But the Huskies' third down failures, mostly in the first half, and certainly on what ended up being their final drive, were crucial. Were crucial. Let's finish it up with number three. And about the only downer of the day for the Cardinal is the injury situation for one position unit in particular. Stanford's wide receiving core. We have been on the hype train for these guys for months, even going back to the spring. Well, Stanford wide receivers got really banged up against the Huskies. David Shaw takes us through the list of the wounded. Osiris uh, will not play the rest of the year, um, and it's not looking great for Mike and Connor right now. We'll we'll double check to make sure, but um, those guys could be out for an extended period of time. Yeah, Mike Wilson and Connor Weddington, certainly two of uh, Stanford's top receivers, and Osiris St. Brown, who had just gotten back into the fold during Washington State week. Of course, the Cardinal didn't play that week, and uh, we saw a brief perform a brief appearance from him against Cal. Looks like his season is done as well. However, the good news about depth is that there are folks behind those guys who have performed for this to this point so far. Second half, you saw Elijah Higgins, you saw Bryson Tremaine, you saw the freshman John Humphreys, you saw Simi Fajoko make tremendous catches on Stanford's final drive in particular. The good news is that Stanford's receiving core is deep. But the bad news is that that's about to be tested in a major, major way. Time for the youngsters to step up, and time for the running game, perhaps, to continue to improve the way it has over the last five quarters of fall. Those are three things. Some quick stats for you from the game. Davis Mills went 20-30 for 252 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions, by the way, this year in 118 throws. Simi Fajoko, four catches for 61 yards. Elijah Higgins, actually the Cardinals' leading receiver with five grabs for 37 yards. And Scooter Harrington with a touchdown catch. And oh, by the way, Thomas Booker blocked another extra point. What's gotten into that guy? And actually, he came close to at least one other during the course of uh, Saturday's events up at Husky Stadium. So Thomas Booker getting it done defensively, but becoming a monster on special teams. The main subplot coming into this game, however, the thing that, that most people were talking about with Stanford in its current situation, unable to practice or play in Santa Clara County due to COVID-19 restrictions and guidelines, and Stanford having to go up to Seattle early. They arrived in town on Tuesday for Saturday's game and, and had to try to find different places to practice in the run-up to the game. Well, on Friday morning, a picture came out of Stanford football conducting its walkthrough at Downtown Park in Bellevue, Washington, which is on the east side, just on the other side of Lake Washington from Seattle. Nice place. I quite like Bellevue. But, but that was... That was the main subplot coming into the game with Stanford football being being relegated to conducting its walkthrough in a public park. Now, it wasn't like it was a full-on practice with pads and everything, but 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 still. David Shaw said after the game that the original plan was to do that walkthrough at the hotel parking garage where they were staying. Well, what happened next? And what drove him to the park? 
Shaw took it from there. Uh, some of the guys say we got Paul Blarted uh, out of the uh, out of the mall parking lot. Um, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where we're constantly trying to minimize high risk contacts as well. So if we could take one bus ride out of it, uh, so we decided to. But I don't. It was, it was the weather was so great here. We didn't want to walk through inside. So our Thursday walkthrough, we're trying to find a place. So we found a parking garage. Uh, they kicked us out of there. So we went to a park and outside of the people walking around taking pictures and the ducks walking through the, the, the walkthrough was great. Um, great to get our guys outside. Um, and I tell these guys, every, everything is an experience. Let's take it all in. You know, it, it, there are two different, two types of people, people that complain and people that, that act. Um, so we want to be those people that act and Hey, if this is where we have to do it, great, let's do it. Let's do it with a, a positive attitude and let's do it to the best of our ability. It's been kind of been the mantra the entire week, no matter what happens, let's have a great attitude. Let's do it. Let's work with enthusiasm uh, and, and do it to the best of our ability. It's not unusual for teams to hold walkthroughs in parking lots and hotel ballrooms, et cetera. But in a public park with people taking pictures, I, I was half kind of tempted to go up there myself just so I could just so I could relive the days when I could watch a Stanford football practice without the Redcoat security staff shooing me away. But it's still certainly something that you that you weren't used to seeing. And, and another you know, another example of 2020 at work, I guess. And in some in some circles, it, it kind of became a punchline a bit. Oh, Stanford has to practice in the park. <sighs> but you hear what Foster Sorrell said earlier in the show. <laughs> practice at the park and then beat up the Huskies on Saturday. So you heard it from David Shaw. And I think you heard it a little bit from from, from a Foster's uh, answer earlier in the in the program. The guys seem to have a good attitude about it. I'm I'm sure they weren't thrilled with having to do its walkthrough in a public park, but you know what? It was what it was, and Stanford once again having to relentlessly adapt and do so under various guidelines and restrictions. You know, doing it outside, no bus ride. You know, all sorts of of resourceful things you have to do these days just to prepare and play a college football game. Those guys are going to have some stories to tell when this whole thing is done. Shout out to Matt Doyle, by the way, and Callie Dale and Kate Dahlman and the Stanford Football Operations crew for for the work they've done, not just over the past few months, but but just just over the past few days trying to get all this together. I'd imagine they're going to have some stories to tell, too. So... Stanford's walk in the park was a hit on Twitter and social media on Friday. And if that, you know, they may have had a good attitude about it, but if that, if it got them a little angry somewhat, okay, fine. They took it out on the Huskies. All, all's well that ends well, I guess. I got to look and see what parks are around Corvallis, Oregon, as Stanford will be bunking down there uh, for the upcoming week in preparation for Saturday night's matchup against the Beavers. This game against the Huskies, however, a tale of two halves. As we mentioned earlier, Stanford was just pile-driving Washington, going out to that 24-3 halftime lead. But the Huskies fought back, had a chance to tie with a two-point conversion. They got the touchdown, but they got wiped off the board because of that holding penalty. But they fought back and had a real chance to get back in that game, and we're, you know, I was in my living room sweating it out. What was the difference between the first half and the second half, Stanford safety Kendall Williamson offers up some of his thoughts. Just the offense and the defense feeding off of each other was was very big for us and how we started the first half. Um, clearly, the second half didn't really go as planned as as far as us being 
carrying that same energy. Um, but but we still but we still did hold them off at the end. So just I feel like that was, that just shows our team's resilience. Um, defensive and offensive, so I was just really proud proud to see our guys hold them. Yeah, once Ty Jones for Washington made that one-handed grab for 42 yards to get uh, the Huskies into a first-and-goal situation, making that grab over Williamson, I kind of had a feeling that might spark the Huskies, and it did. And things really got interesting after Jones's fumble, where Austin was sweeping to the left, tried to cut back, didn't see the backside defender. I did. I saw him from 820 miles away, and I probably said some words that I, that I probably uh, shouldn't have said, <laughs> even if they were in the, in the privacy of my own living room. But, but Jones had that fumble. But the defense made a stand, and Jones helped run out the clock. Given all those things, I asked Austin Jones after the game what this win after a week like that says about this team kind of a motto that we've had really has been like whatever it takes and i think this team just shows like we're gonna do whatever it takes to go out there and fight every single down and go out there and win the game at the end of the day there's a lot of circumstances that we can't do anything about we're just gonna go ahead and push forward and then at the end of the day we're gonna do whatever it takes to go out there and get a win and we've seen that the last two weeks by the way austin jones led the sea house chant in the Stanford locker room afterwards his first chance to do that hopefully there are many more going forward Stanford offensively did a lot of things right and I remember at halftime you know doing a brief check of Twitter and and everyone was happy that Stanford was just mauling the Huskies and grinding them into the dirt uh road grading dudes as Foster Sorrell also said uh during his uh post-game uh, press press availability and they were doing a lot of things right and they were able to continue most of them through the second half as well. David Shaw with his keys to offensive success on Saturday for the card. A couple of big things. Number one is we ran the ball well um, and kept ourselves out of a lot of third and, uh, and passing situations. We also had the lead. We haven't really played with the lead much this year. Um, so we're out of those, those, uh, those straight passing downs, which helped a ton. Um, that being said, ZTF is a heck of a football player and, uh, thank you that we're able to keep him away from quarterback. Um, but being able to stay in those third mediums, being able to run the ball physically um, and really put some bodies on their bodies more more than than letting them get after us, um, that was a big help. Uh, and and a couple of times we got in trouble in the quarterback position. Davis was able to use his legs and move and escape and, and get the ball out. So those were those were huge. Yeah, they got physical right from jump. That that was obvious, right? Right from right from the very first drive. And they also, I thought, did a very nice job of keeping Washington off balance, uh, mixing in a jet sweep or some similar motion here and there, and just, just, just keeping the Huskies on their toes so they just can't key in on Austin Jones or Nathaniel Peter or whomever was in the, in the Cardinal backfield at any given time. I thought they did a nice job of keeping the Huskies off balance in that respect. And, of course, just road grading dudes. Uh, Davis Mills on, on the spot was dialed in right from jump, made the right reads, exploited one-on-one -on -one matchups, found the one-on-one -on -one matchups, and the correct ones, too. <laughs> Simi Fajoko on an inside linebacker? <laughs> I'll take that every single time. Afterwards, David Shaw said Mills was good, not great. For whatever it's worth, I, I would give Davis Mills a slightly higher grade than that, but Shaw sees a lot more things, and he knows a lot more about football than I do, so uh, I'll, I'll defer to him when uh, he, uh, he gives out a grade uh, to a certain player. And I thought it was neat that Stanford was able to take advantage 
of a Washington weakness. You know that that straight handoff that Stanford does with a single back set where the backside linebacker is unblocked? Uh, for an example, go back to the 2017 Pac-12 championship game against USC at the goal line uh, where they just did that that straight handoff. Cameron Scarlett was the single back. And Uchenna Nwusu, boy, that guy, ooh, he was so dangerous for USC. Just came in untouched and, uh, and stopped Scarlett for no gain on fourth and goal at the USC one. And that was the biggest play of the day. And USC ended up going to the Rose Bowl that year. That play, yes. Well, we saw that play from Stanford several times against the Huskies on Saturday. Only Washington's linebackers were too slow to stop it. So it was nice to see what that play is supposed to look like where you leave the backside linebacker unblocked. And it makes sense. If the guy can't get to him, then you might not need to block him necessarily. Plus, Austin Jones, I think, has more straight-ahead speed and certainly the wiggle to get away from guys to be, able to, to be able to pull that off than maybe some previous candidates in the backfield for Stanford over the last couple of years. So I, I thought it was nice to see that play return to the playbook, especially against that Washington defense that just wasn't quick enough at that position, at the linebacker position, to be able to stop it. Meanwhile, defensively, they didn't seem to get diabolical. And I love when Lance Anderson dials up blitzes and, and just sends guys from out of nowhere. You know, we saw a little bit of against Cal. And it's, it's always something that I love when Lance does. Didn't necessarily see that this time around against the Huskies. But we did see, we did see some more subtle nuances throughout the course of the game. We saw Stanford change up fronts and alignments in the first half to confuse quarterback Dylan Morris for Washington. And, and, and Gabe Reed actually played outside linebacker for a brief spell early in the second half. So outside you had Gabe Reed and Jordan Fox, and inside uh, you had um, Curtis Robinson and Levani DeMooney, which I thought was a, a pretty nice little foursome there at the linebacker spot for Stanford. I wonder if we're going to see much more of that going forward. After the game, I asked David Shaw for his points of emphasis defensively leading up to Saturday's game and how close the reality came to the expectations. As many of you know, because I think someone in this group asked a question about stopping the toss play um, that we couldn't stop against Cal. We saw that multiple times today, um, and we were able to at least slow down. We, didn't, we got one negative run, a couple other six- and seven-yard games, but we didn't get the big runs on those toss plays, so we did a lot better job on those toss plays. Um, we have to defend the deep ball so much better. Um, we had we, we really played well on the defensive side and we gave up, I think, three explosive plays um, that really put got them back in the game. Uh, we do a better job with those. Uh, we got a better job of holding down. But the plan against the run, against a team that was dedicated to run the ball, I thought we did very well. Um, against a relatively athletic quarterback, um, he, he didn't hurt us that bad. He won one pretty long run. Um, but the big thing for us was to really stop that toss play play really tight to line scrimmage uh, physically and make it hard on them running the ball um, and, and make them throw it. And uh, we didn't get any interceptions, but for the most part, we played well into those, those long balls in the second half. Yeah, and quite honestly, a, a lot of the question marks that I had about Dylan Morris, the Washington quarterback before this game, I still have. I'm still not exactly sure if he can complete passes downfield with any regularity. He missed his share of guys. You know, a couple of his guys bailed him out with fantastic grabs, to be sure. But there were more than a few guys that were open that Morris just straight up missed. And part of it was that on some occasions, 
he was just straight confused with those different fronts that Lance Anderson and the Stanford defense were throwing at him a bit. Cardinal and I were in the third. They checked that the Huskies were in a third and goal situation in the uh, first half. And they showed cover zero, complete man-to-man, everybody on one person. But they dropped eight into coverage instead. Morris was confused by that sudden zone, and he had to scramble for no gain. And that led to Washington's field goal, which proved to be the only points of the first half. Things like that. Things like that. You know, not, not a bombastic performance by the Stanford defense by any stretch, but effective for the most part. Certainly a heck of a lot better on the ground, right? Where the Cardinal came into the game dead last in rushing yards allowed per game coming into it. Washington running backs didn't really break out. Longest rush was 11 yards by Sean McGrew. And Washington running backs, Washington running game, I should say, with 117 yards on the ground. Stanford defensively also didn't fall for some of the trick plays that Washington tried to throw at him, dropping a reverse for a 10-yard loss and another reverse uh, for no gain. So Stanford defensively continues to build, which is certainly a, a, a great way to be going, a great trajectory to have at this point in the season. Now, what was telling to me as that game unfolded was how Washington's two best players just disappeared from view in this game. A lot of hype coming into Saturday on Zion Tupuola Fatui, also known as ZTF. And, and, and rightfully so. Look, the kid was bawling the first three games of the year. Seven sacks, just a defensive nightmare for opponents in the first three games of the season. Rightfully so. He earned every bit of the hype that he had coming his way this past week. So ZTS numbers against Stanford, zero tackles, zero sacks, zero tackles for loss. Zilch for ZTF. And Stanford's tackles, Walter Rouse and Foster Sorrell, should get a lot of the credit for that. Foster told us after the game how the offensive line was able to zero out ZTF. I was really excited to play him. He's um, he is a very good football player. Uh, he's got great hands. He plays like a pro. Uh, my first uh, series wasn't great, uh, but I settled in really good against him. Um, and I was just I was thrilled that he had zero sacks and zero. He didn't do much, uh, to be honest with you. I think for me, it was a statement that yeah, I can block anybody. And I think that was for a whole line. I mean, they have I mean, they have a bunch of dudes that can rush the passer on their team. Um, and for the most part, we did a pretty dang good job against a pretty good D-line. So I'm really proud of our guys and, um, and happy. Yeah, he should be happy. Uh, one of the, arguably one of the best defensive players in all of college football, at least throughout his portion of the season, was a total non-factor for the entire 60 minutes. Meanwhile, Washington was without its, its top two wide receivers for undisclosed reasons. But, but even then, their best weapon in the passing game was their tight end, Kate Otten. But Otten didn't get his first target and catch until 8-17 left in the third quarter. And he got a 42-yard catch later, but that was it. Otten with just two catches for 46 yards on the day. He was not a factor. How'd that happen? I asked Stanford safety Kendall Williamson that question. I mean, honestly, I feel like he wasn't utilized a little bit too much in the passing game. 
um, in terms of downfield targets, especially, I mean, except for honestly that, that one uh, corner route that he got or, or was it, or was it over? Um, like I, I think he was used a lot in like plunges and, and blocking. So, I mean, I feel like part of that may have been just their scheme and how, how they were going with things. Um, but I mean, it was definitely, definitely nice to take, to take him mostly off the board. Yeah. Found that answer very intriguing when, <laughs> when the defensive player says, wow, we were expecting him, him to be a bigger factor in things. And, and he wasn't, that's pretty telling. That's pretty telling. But in any case, Washington's two best players were taken out. One by Stanford and the Cardinals' efforts, and the other by Washington's own game plan. Cardinal will take it. He'll certainly take that. And look, the game plan for Stanford, both sides of the ball, the play calling, the execution, they were all on point and working together in concert. It was nice to see. David Shaw after the game on what this win says about his squad. We're not mature enough yet and old enough yet and experienced enough yet to really put a team away. And at the, But at the same time, even when we don't play perfectly, we're going to fight to the end and, and find a way to win the game. And that's what happened the last two games. Once again, hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been pretty. We have a lot of guys that we're really excited about that are gaining experience as we go. Um, and I say it again, there's, there's no lamenting, but this is the kind of team, and I've been here for, before, this is the kind of team that, you know, weeks 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 would be a lot of fun with these guys, but we're not going to get those weeks. Um, it's a shortened season. We take everything that we can get and don't take anything for granted um, and uh, and continue to learn and grow as the season progresses. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways that, that win was a best-case scenario for the coaches, right? Because in some ways, you know, a dominant and convincing win. This offensive line now has on tape what it looks like when you absolutely pound someone into the dirt like they did throughout much of the first half and when you run down the clock with the game on the line. Stanford offensive line knows what that looks like now. The defense knows what it looks like to defend the outside toss play. So in some ways, Stanford put a lot of great things on tape, yet and still there is plenty of material with which to coach them up going forward. So I, th I think the coaches have to be very excited. And I think that you, I think you sense that in David Shaw's answer right there. I think the coaches have to be very excited about, about where this team actually sits right now. Sad that there isn't more to be played, certainly after the week after next, but the kind of win that coaches like. One final bit of business, we got to go stock up and stock down. Stock up our unofficial game ball and stock down something that, that just kind of irritated me throughout the course of the game. First, let's go stock up. We talked about the offensive line, and rightfully so, and kudos to those guys. Uh, Rouse, Hornerbrook, Dahlman, Miller, Sorrell, and Branson Bragg, and the blocking that they were able to do to spring Austin Jones, Nathaniel Pete, but the guy I thought blocked his tail off was fullback Houston Haimuli. He put on a master class in lead blocking. I could sing Houston Haimuli's plays from now until the next show, but I'll step aside and let David Shaw tell you about Houston Haimuli's day from the coach's perspective. It's very rare that football coaches say, hey, let's get our fullback going. 
Um, but that's what we've said the last couple of weeks is that Houston is, is feeling good. And he's one of those guys that, you know, you want to put at the front of the play because he, he'll get after people. And um, I won't mention his height, uh, but he's right around 260. Um, he's not six foot. He's right around 260. And he's got a great pop. So that power play, that power play starts with the fullback and the guy setting the edge um, and coming downhill. And, and those outside stretch plays, hey, whoever's on the edge, the, the fullback's got to kick that guy out so we can, we can, we can find a crease. And gosh, he, I think he was perfect today. He was so good. All of his guys got blocked. All those guys got moved out of the way. We're able to get back through the two and through the line of scrimmage. Um, uh, we're really excited. We, you know, we lost Jay uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, so really, we have one fullback, and we're kind of training a couple of the guys if we need them. Um, but uh, Houston was was really good today. Yeah, that's about the size of it. And uh, it was kind of neat to see, e- even though I was in the school of mind, uh, or certainly early in the season, given how I thought the strength of this team was going to be at the quarterback and at the wide receivers and how the passing game was largely going to have to carry the day. It is nice to see the running game start to reassert itself and not just the offensive line, everybody getting into it blocking and Houston high Mooley, Congrats to him. Big. He had a fumble recovered last week on special teams and this week getting after it and lead blocking. That was impressive stuff. Stock up is Houston High Mooley. So who's stocked down? And it's not anyone with Stanford football, per se, but it certainly was a unit that really left a lot to the imagination. The referees, the Pac-12 refs, my goodness. And, and, and these were two calls that actually went in Stanford's favor, but two terrible spots. By the officials, one late in the third quarter where Humphreys made a catch on third down and he didn't even really come close to the marker, to the line to gain. But the officials spotted him with the first down. It eventually led to to Stanford's first punt of the day, but still, that was pretty obvious that Humphreys didn't make that. And then again, later in the game, terrible spot initially give Stanford a first down with 49 seconds left while Stanford's trying to run out the clock and inside Husky ter- deep inside Husky territory. Look, my house, and I, I looked at Google on this, my house is exactly 820 miles from Husky Stadium. If I can see what those folks can't see right in front of their faces, especially given some struggles that, that, that Pac-12 officials have had in other games, a couple of them involving Oregon State. It's not a good look. That's not a good look. And, and again, you know, they, they took a look at that second spot and gave it back to Stanford with a fourth down and short. Stanford was able to convert and run out the final minute of clock. So even though those calls went in favor of the Cardinal, yikes, still no bueno. Still no bueno from the officials and a lot that uh, – a lot that the conference has, I, I think, to do to still get things cleaned up to where they should be. So stock down, Pac-12 refs. As always, I welcome your thoughts on Stanford football, on Stanford sports as well. Hit me up on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, the best way to ensure that I see your thoughts. And again, look, subscribe to the show, rate it, and review it too. I always appreciate those of you who do that. I always 
I always like the feedback. If you love the show, hey, great, awesome. Just just tell everyone you know about it. If you don't like the show, let me know. And uh, I'll see what I can do to make it better going forward. Going forward for Stanford, they hit the road down to Corvallis, a game that was originally scheduled to be held at Stanford Stadium and be the Cardinals' home finale. Nope. That game moved to Corvallis for obvious reasons. We know it'll be a Saturday night kickoff. We don't know what TV network it's going to be on, at least as I say this, on late Sunday morning. But Stanford versus the Beavers, Cardinal heading in the right direction, now at 2-2. Two and two. Beavers not coming off of a great performance. They came close at the end, but weren't able to pull off the comeback and giving Utah its first win of the season late Saturday night. So Stanford hoping to stay in the win column. Oregon State hoping to get back there. And will Oregon State have its best player available for Stanford? That's going to be the big subplot coming into this one. We'll break it down as we go. The next edition of the TreeCast will likely come your way on Thursday. And we will focus on the Cardinal and the Beavers. And everything else you need to know around Stanford Athletics on the next episode of the TreeCast. Be there for it. Thanks again to Foster Sorrell, Austin Jones, Kendall Williamson, and of course David Shaw for making themselves available after Stanford's 31-26 win at Washington. And thanks most of all to you for being with us here on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And you're just as dumb as the person who still refuses to wear a mask in this day and in this age. Mask it or cast it. It's never been more true than right now. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks again for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Presented by the Believe Podcast Network. <laughs>